This is that Broad's Got Moxie. This is Kiana speaking, giving you her update for the stay home. Her story, not update. Don't know why I'm talking in third person. Anyways, this is that Broad's Got Moxie. My name is Kiana. I have two audience members with me today who are currently trying to put on wigs, but the dome's too large. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they're really, not. It really doesn't work. <laughs> The one who just said uh, he has his working wig with Big Dome number one is Zeth Hillman Johnson. One. My nice. boyfriend. Nice to meet you. And the second one with the second dome too big. What did I say the first time? Anyways, it's Sage. Big Dome number two. Big Dome number two, Sage. Nemesis to the podcast. Am I allowed to speak? No. <laughs> Don't speak anymore. That's all, all you can... You're holding your hand hey, out hey. like you wanted me to say something. Please, be respectful. Come on, he's got <laughs> So, it's still Asian and Pacific Islander Month, and I'm coming at you with another story about a Pacific Islander woman. Yeah, because that's what I get to do. I'm going to take a dive into the creation story of Guam. And this week... So the creation story is a brother and sister, but I'm going to mostly talk to you about the sister. Her name is Fona. But, you know, brother's going to be thrown in there, too. Because you, you kind of got to. That's why I allowed um, men to be in my presence. More than one man. Usually I limit it. Thank you. Don't talk. Don't talk. You're welcome, Zeth. <laughs> okay. So, Guam, just so y'all know, is the largest and southernmost island of the Mariana Islands chain in the Micronesian region of the Pacific Ocean. It was settled over 4,000 years ago by Guam's indigenous group known as the Chamaro people. So Guam is the place. Chamaro is the people, culture, and language that they speak. Fun fact. So <laughs> every island has a different in creation myth. And indeed, like every culture has a different creation myth. Now, science says that the world started with the Big Bang. So it's likely that none of these myths are true. But I say likely just because I don't want to piss off any gods on the off chance that a culture just got it. And I'm like, you know, I just don't want to disrespect that god. So regardless of the accuracy of these stories, creation stories are often a way for cultures to explain themselves and dictate what's important to them and what their core values are. So the way this is going to go, this story, is I'm going to be telling the creation story and then focusing on what it then means for women in Guam, pretty much. But before I do that, it is important to know that the Chamaro myth and stories were passed down orally. They didn't have a written language and relied on this traditional way of storytelling to pass down tales and facts about themselves. Um, all was well and good, but then entered the colonizers and missionaries who made the pagan culture and religion on the island dangerous to practice, a.k.a. find salvation in this one god we brought here, or don't be considered human and die. Fun. Uh, because of this, a lot of the culture was lost to time. However, modern generations are piecing their history back together. As Frank Rabin put it, 
for lack of better words, we were rudely interrupted historically. We now have to fill in the gaps. <laughs> he further stated, quote, 300 years of rude interruption, I'll call it genocide, end quote, <laughs> has caused the Chimero people to have to piece together a lot of their history and legends from multiple third-party sources and has caused stories to appear in, like, multiple different ways. So the story that I'm going to tell is just one of the many tellings and one of the many. So I'm going to be telling you that. But before I get into that, because this is I'm telling it my way, I'm going to tell you first about Fona and the name. So like I said, the ancient Chamorro people didn't have an established writing system in place prior to colonization. So their history was recorded by Europeans and different spellings came from different interpretations of the vowels and the way they were saying it. So in the case of Fauna, her name was phonetically spelled differently based on the culture that recorded it. But fun story is likely that gap and the way they've pieced together has been filled. And so now we're down to the actual Chamorro spelling of her name. And I'll explain that. So the most popular spelling of Fona's name is the Spanish spelling, which is F-U apostrophe U-N-A. Um, and the reason why it's the most popular version today is it was because, you know, the Spanish recorded it and the Spanish are connected to the Catholic Church. And then the influence that the Catholic Church had just in the whole world made this the most popular spelling. And it was incorporated into all of the contemporary literature about it but that spelling can't be translated to anything in Spanish so they know it's not a Spanish word but it also doesn't it doesn't mean anything in Chamorro either with that spelling and that pronunciation and then the French explorer Marion du Fresne who spelt Fona as Fugna in his accounts so it's spelled F-U-G-N-A and the G-N is a hard N. So the French GN is pronounced as a, a hard N. But like the Spanish name, that Fugna means nothing in French. So we can take the GN, change it into an N, and you get closer to what the Chamorro way to pronounce it and spell it is. So it was the author of the book, A Complete History of Guam, whose name was Tun Pedro Sanchez, that claimed that the word Fona in Chamorro, which means first, or it also means origin or one who precedes all, is the likely spelling that we can gather from the third party history. So, and that spelling is F-O apostrophe N-A. The believed traditional spelling of her name is still attempting to be popularized, so it's not yet caught on, uh, but local historians assert that this is the correct way to say and spell her name, thus filling the gap that was lost to colonizers. And I think that's super cool and worth celebrating. So, wow, 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 woo! Yeah, way to go. Anyway, now I'm gonna tell the story. So the this story that I'm telling is a transcription of the video, Fona and Pontan, Mariana's Creation Story by Brandon Lee Cruz. You can find it on YouTube and it was transcribed by Zeph. Thank You're you. Welcome. I would check out this video, in all honesty, the animation, a little freaky, but it is read in the Chamorro language, and I think that's really neat to hear a story actually told in the language it's supposed to be told. 
But so now I'm not now I'm not going to do that and I'm just going to read it in English. <laughs> so, in the beginning, the beginning within the mind of the most high, all things were one, infinite and limitless. In the beginning there was darkness before creation of the earth and the celestial bodies in the sky. There lived a man named Ponten. After eons of time had passed, Ponten fell ill. So he called on his sister, Fona, who, like himself, had been born without a mother or a father. Ponten gave instructions as to the disposal of his body. Fona, with her supernatural powers, took the body parts of Ponten and created the world. With his eyes, she made the sun and moon. With his chest, the sky. With his back, the earth. With his eyebrows, the rainbows. And the rest of his body, the mountains and valleys. And his urine to make rivers and seas. Which is fun. <laughs> uh, after Fona created the world, she felt lonely and decided to create people. In order for her to do this, she gave herself to the sea. And from that moment appeared the first people, the indigenous people. In another storytelling, which is really popular, Fona sees that her brother's request is filled at the end and throws her body into the earth and not the sea and transforms into what is now known as Fona Rock. And from this rock, the first people sprouted. It's an actual place on the island and is also called Creation Rock. So, you know, it's related. <laughs> um, it's a short tale, but there it is. Interestingly enough, there are some that believe that these names are not actually mythical beings, but the name of the brother and sister that settled the island originally. So it's not a myth, it's a real thing. Maybe. Potentially. We don't know. Thanks, colonizers. So, the way you can translate that story into, like, real life... The infinite space that's described is thought to represent the journey through a vast open sea uh, without any land or anything in sight because it sort of feels like space, no earth, nothing. And the siblings being born without a mother or a father, in quotes, uh, conveys the sentiment of leaving the family behind and starting anew. So when they did get to this island and started creating things, they were without mother and father. Um, and none of their ancestral remains were on the island as well. So it's believed that maybe two leaders left that island to create their own island. And that's how Guam started. And they went with their families to populate the island. Don't be gross because they're brother and sister. So either literally or symbolically from the story of Fona, we can gather information about gender relations in Guam. So the story of Ponten and Fona tells us that from the moment of birth of creation in Guam, men and women worked together as equals. And actually, women had quite a large role in Guam because Chimeros were a matrilineal society, not a patriarchal society. Patrilineal. Sorry, I know they're different. Yeah. Anyways, name, wealth, and titles were inherited through the women's side, and matrilineal clans were the basic unit in ancient politics. So each matrilineal like clan controlled a specific area of the island, and within the clan, the matriarch was the oldest woman in the group, and therefore a woman received the most respect in families rather than men, which is fun. 
And this may be one of the reasons why Funa is the active participant in the creation story rather than her brother being the one to create anything. So her brother plays an important role, but it's not the creation thing happening. And while it was a matrilineal society, there was also a system in place where both men, there were both male and female chiefs. So the female chief was not the wife of the male chief. So it wasn't like king and queen, how we understand it in like Western societies. It was literally a male chief and a female chief, equal power running the island. And so Fona represents the first Magahaga, which is how they say female chief, uh, to settle the Mariana Islands. And she's considered the mother of Chamaro society. Uh, her ability to be empowered by her brother and create the earth and the heavens with his body denotes the matrilineal heritage that Chamaros typically had. So Fona and her brother, but we're not talking about him, also emphasize the social value of Geftau, which translates to giving or unselfishness. So by sacrificing her body to create life, she sets an example for communal living and effort. And in almost any endeavor, big or small, such as harvesting crops, hunting or gathering or building houses, everyone in the family or village took part in the task and bounty. And then there, there's also something to be said about the fact that Fona is the one who's creating because, you know, women give birth. There you go. Uh, Fona and Ponten's story of creation was once celebrated yearly by a pilgrimage that all of the islanders took to Fona Rock, or Creation Rock, where people would fucking party. And at these parties, <laughs> there would be presentations of gifts, such as seeds, fishing implements, and rice cakes. And the rice cakes would be blessed and then used to cure six sick people who weren't able to make the pilgrimage. Which is nice. These celebrations would also include the telling of the creation story and other stories as well from memory. And the individuals who could sing or tell the most verses were like applauded for their skill. There was a missionary who lived among the Chamaros in Guam from 1596 to 1597. And he wrote down, so he had asked them where they thought they came from. And they were like, oh, this fucking rock. <laughs> and he was like, what the hell? And they're like, yeah. And so he recorded, quote, believe they were born of a rock whence they all go to each year for a fiesta. <laughs> That's just fun. But it's undoubtedly the creation rock. So the rock might have been a landing point for the siblings if they were real. Some people argue, but other people don't. Uh, other people just accept that it's a myth. Now, whether the rock was a landing point for the literal brother and sister, or if it is indeed the body of Fona, we don't know. Uh, there was some talk in 2016 of putting a memorial or statue there to commemorate the story because it has mostly been lost. And a lot of Guamanian people or Chamaro people don't know it. But I don't know if that's happened yet. I hope it does because that'd be cool. Anyways, that's it. <laughs> uh go ahead and uh rate review and subscribe if you wanna i'd like it if you also would like you can follow us on our social media accounts we are at that broad scott moxie on facebook and instagram or 
broadscottmoxie on Twitter. And if you have anything you want to say to me, you can say it to my email at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. Anyways, thank you to Zeth for being here. Sage, you are, you are here as well. Um. <laughs> Bye. I was going to applaud you. <laughs> Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.